With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This week on the latest overtime edition of The Big Show, Keeping It Real with Film Gordon, we will feature Eddie Murphy's acceptance speech from the celebration of black film from the Critics' Choice Association Awards, which happened earlier this week. And in addition, we will feature the full interview with the Oscar whisperer, Anthony McCartan, all on the latest edition of The Big Show, Keeping It Real with Film Gordon, the overtime edition. Time edition of the big show, which of course means that we get an hour. Traditionally, we just got too much show. So we got to give you some mo. We got to go over time. And this week we got a couple of really good candidates. As I said in the tease, Eddie Murphy, who is in the midst of a massive comeback with Dolomite is my name. Uh, with Oscar and Golden Globe and other critics group nominations coming up within the next couple of weeks. Eddie is on the rise. SNL is bringing Eddie back for the first time in 35 years to host their Christmas show. Eddie's everywhere. But earlier this week, he was in Los Angeles uh, in order to receive the Lifetime Achievement Award from the Critics' Choice Association, which is the largest group of African, well, actually not just African-American filmmakers, but of filmmakers throughout the country. And Ruthie Carter, last year's Oscar winner from Black Panther, was charged with presenting Eddie with this award. Here is the uh, speech from Eddie Murphy and the presentation uh, from Oscar winner Ruthie Carter. Eddie Murphy called. Before Black Panther introduced us to African royalty, Eddie Murphy did in Coming to America. So when Eddie called to ask me to design the sequel, I didn't waste a moment. I packed my bags, got my passport, and headed from Wakanda to Zimunda. 
Eddie Barkey doesn't just play African royalty impeccably on screen, he is royalty. A legendary comedian, actor, singer, a world-renowned performer who has stood the test of time. Dolomite Is My Name premiered at the Toronto International Film Festival and the crowd erupted in cheers when he walked in the theater. Everyone chanting, Eddie, Eddie, Eddie. The feeling, the mood, it was electric. Afterwards, days afterwards, I asked Eddie later, I said, what did that feel like when, you know, you, what did you feel? And he simply said, I hope they like the movie. <laughs> Humble, authentic. A performer who values the audience first and foremost. That's the core of Eddie Murphy. Did they like the movie? Come on now. You all you all remember the love making scene and don't like it. Put your weight on it. <laughs> Eddie's performances are pitch perfect. And it has been since he burst into our hearts and homes, dazzling us with unforgettable comedy skits on SNL. Okay. <laughs> I know we can all agree. Eddie Murphy didn't just break into stand-up comedy, he broke the damn thing. He seduced us with his charm and comedic timing in a red leather to suit so tight it made us delirious. <laughs> I wish I had fit in for that one. <laughs> Eddie brings a special brand of... <laughs> Eddie brings a special brand of sexy swag to the big screen. Who could forget Axel Foley, Billy Ray Valentine, Quick in Harlem Nights, Rayford Gibson, Mr. Church, Marcus and Boomerang, and Oscar-nominated James Thunder, Thunder Early. He's been baptizing us with his unique brand of humor, ignited by his charm and wit. He's one of the few actors who has perfected the art of playing alongside himself. <laughs> in the business, we call it acting against a tennis ball, as in the Nutty Professor, eating dinner with the whole clump clan, all played, played by himself. He's playing full court tennis doubles alone. And pretty damn masterful, if you ask me. Eddie <laughs> is also about complete transformation. In the new Coming to America, he went from suave, stylish prince to old, cantankerous Jewish man right before my eyes. Y'all know him as Saul in Barbershop? Well, he's back. Eddie, congratulations. It's been my privilege to help you bring your imagination to life. Ladies and gentlemen, let's take a look at the legacy and career of Eddie Murphy.
and African American film critics for uh, honoring me and showing me some love. And I'd like to congratulate all the other honorees tonight, other people that were honored. Congratulations to all of you. Congratulations to the African American film critics again, because for you guys, because when I started making movies like almost 40 years ago, there were no African American film critics. <laughs> there was, there was it. Actually, there was one. And that movie was crazy. <laughs> 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 Film critics ain't have. Nia was talking about they make makeup special for her. When we they didn't have no no makeup, African American makeup, hair department, wardrobe wardrobe department, producers didn't have none of that. It was it was rough. <laughs> Especially you go the hair department. Like if you go walk in an old Sidney Poitier movie, his hair. Guess who's coming to dinner? Guess who's coming to dinner? And be like, is this how this gonna fun Sydney is such a brilliant actor, he would oh. act like his hair was gone. <laughs> thank you. I wanna thank you so much. It's always a wonderful thing to be honored and to hear those wonderful things said about you. And, and, and it's a great, wonderful feeling. And thank you, y'all made me feel happy and warm on the inside. Thank you so much for All right. So that was a lot of fun being in the room. And since I was recording that, some of that laughter you heard was me. Eddie Murphy, man, as I said earlier, in addition to, you know, coming to America 2 that's coming down the pike, um, I understand that Netflix is going to be behind Bad Boys 4. He's got uh, to, to go work on some material for a $70 million one-time concert on Netflix. Uh, Shane is behind the glass shaking his head, man. Yes, we all will shake our heads, man. I mean, think about put it in context. Dave Chappelle got $60 million from Netflix for three specials he did. They're giving Eddie 70 for one. Uh, as they say on the streets, don't hate the player. <laughs> hate the game. My God. And, and this brother is massively talented. So we're looking forward to that uh, Christmas uh, episode of SNL that he's going to host. Um, I promise you that's going to be the most watched SNL and maybe one of the most watched programs in years on NBC. All right. So next up, uh, several weeks ago, uh, I had an opportunity to see our next guest, uh, out in Los Angeles at, a, at the premiere of his film, The Two Popes. Uh, Anthony McCartan is a very, very talented uh, novelist and screenwriter from New Zealand. Uh, he wrote The Darkest Hour, which scored an Oscar win for Gary Oldman. He then wrote Bohemian Rhapsody, which Rami Malek won a Best Lead Actor Oscar. His latest film that he's written, of course, is The Two Popes, which stars Jonathan Price and Anthony Hopkins. Uh, Travis Hopson, a colleague of mine's and good friend, and I sat down to interview Anthony McCartan. And here is our interview with this amazingly funny New Zealand Kiwi. 
Welcome back to Keeping It Real with Film Gordon. I am joined by Travis Hobson. Hey, hey, hey. And the screenwriter of the upcoming film, The Two Popes. It is Anthony McCartan. Anthony, welcome. Good to speak with you. All right, Travis. I feel like we're old friends at this point already. We are. We've, we've met been, three times. That yeah, constitutes we're here. old friendship. <laughs> we're here at the Middleburg Film Festival where you are... Uh, one of the guests of honor, for for obvious reasons, man. You you are uh, like we talked about a little bit earlier, kind of the Oscar whisper whisperer right now. Uh, you got the two popes playing here. You had Darkest Hour, Theory of Everything. Um, how are you feeling about uh, the two popes this year? I try not to speculate. Um, <laughs> does your head in? Um, I was going to ask you about that after having doing so many things that have been acclaimed in a row. Does it kind of like do you like feel like you have to? like top yourself each time you consider that yeah I, I try not to buy into it really I've got you know I've got three kids and uh, and my my uh, partner has three kids and so mm. we've got six and believe me wow. I, all your all your pundit sites are fed to me and I go don't tell me don't tell me and they go hey dad you're nine to one you're nine to one and I go leave me out leave me out it's it's a kind of distraction and it's it's un, unfortunate in some respects because it puts you in a kind of adversarial um, mm. you know race with uh, with your peers and uh, in a perfect world we wouldn't be doing that but um, mm. it's fun and it it's certainly it captures people's imaginations it makes them interested in in the whole race and therefore the movies so mm. ultimately it's a good thing yeah. Anthony Hopkins. Jonathan Price. Come on. You got these guys in your latest, man. This film is getting a lot of buzz. I uh, got a chance to look at a little of it today. Mm -hmm. I'm going to see the whole thing in its totality tomorrow. Yeah. But this film looks good. It's very funny uh, from what I've seen. Uh, the story, as I said, I you know, talk a little bit about uh, what attracted you to, to wanting to participate in the project when they brought it to you for this film. Well, uh, it started with me. And quite by my happenstance, I was in Rome, and uh, I, uh, my sister texted me, a cousin of mine had passed away, and she said, if you're near a chapel or a church, can you go in and light a candle? And I was in Rome, so no problem. And I thought, I'll go straight to St. Peter's Square, where Pope Francis was giving an open-air mass, and his charisma and his international appeal, you could feel it, it was palpable. Uh, and it wasn't just Catholics there, it was people from all around the world because he's a, he's a global figure now and, and uh, people are fascinated by how he's handling this moment. And um, so I started to realize and become interested in the fact that we have two popes and just behind Francis in, in St. Peter's Square is a, is a small convent and sequestered in that little convent is another pope. 500 years since we've had a situation like this with two popes and what's curious is that they can't agree on much and so and that's it's unique to the catholic faith but they're supposed to be infallible how can you have two people who are infallible i.e you know right you know god dang certified right and they can't agree on shit um and i went well that's interesting from a theological point of view but secondly, the one who retired, Benedict, who's mm -hmm. the German one, he, he, he had to have known that his resignation would usher in a new period of change. And he's an arch-conservative mm -hmm. um, and spent his whole life basically making sure overdue reforms remain overdue. 
And I thought, well, that's interesting. I have to dive into this resignation thing because it's been since 1293 was the last time a pope got out of bed and went, nah, you know what? Nah, I'm done. Yeah. 1293, over 700 years. Wow. So what made this guy, a German, an arch conservative, get out of bed one day and go, you know what, I'm going to step down. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the unthinkable. And so it's a really unique moment in the history of a 2,000-year-old faith that presides over now 1.4 billion people. So because, it's, because it is so unique, how do yeah. you, and, you know, Catholic Church, not famous for allowing people to just kind of, you know, hey, we got plenty of, we'll answer all your questions. How do you research something like that? Like, how do you, where do you, how do you do that? Well, my, my, my partner, Eva, she's German. So when Benedict uh, became Pope, all the newspapers had a headline, we are Pope. Germany took it personally, like, wow, Germany <laughs> has been in everybody's bad books for quite a while. And suddenly they had been, you know, one of them, one of their number had been made Pope, given spiritual significance. Mm -hmm. So they were all over it. So his entire papacy has been covered in minute detail, but none of that much was translated into English. Hmm. So there wasn't much available to me in English, but um, through Eva and through Contest, we got a lot of stuff translated. So I got, I got the skinny on Benedict that way, and similarly did the same with Francis, with getting stuff translated from the Spanish. Then I read, read a lot, read a lot of books and so forth and started to draw these two portraits of an odd couple, one a conservative, bookish guy, no charisma, and another guy, <laughs> a man of the people, loves football, ex-tango dancer, fell in love with a woman before he became Pope. I just thought, oh, this is interesting. This is a great, dramatic, you know, brew. And I just had fun with it. How much, how much, or if any, blowback have you gotten from the Catholic Church about this film? Um, none. In fact, we've um, we showed it to the Vatican Press Corps, and they were, I think, the word would be relieved um, that we oh. weren't giving them a hard time hmm. because uh, it's just been torrential the amount of bad news that they've mm -hmm. been having to, um, you know, deal with. Um, so, you know, this was not meant to be a Spanish Inquisition of the, of the Catholic Church. Mm -hmm. People have done that before. This was more looking forward to the future and asking a question that I think pertains to our society too. Is, is our future best ensured by a progressive agenda or a conservative agenda? Or is there a third way? Is there something in the middle which involves compromise, listening to the other person, taking on board their ideas and finding a, you know, some sort of communion with someone else who you don't agree with at the beginning. So that's the, the kind of thesis of the thing. It seems like it'd be really difficult to find the right, the, the right actors to play these roles. Yeah. Uh, how, did you, how did Anthony Hopkins and Jonathan Price both come to it? And how did you, I guess, kind of figure which one is better for which one? Well, when Pope Francis became Pope, the internet lit up with pictures of Jonathan Price. Yeah. Mm. That, I remember that actually. Yeah, because he looks he looks exactly like him, and because <laughs> nobody knew who this uh, this Argentinian uh, guy was, who'd just been made pope, mm -hmm. and everyone said, "God, that looks like Jonathan Price." And apparently, Jonathan's <laughs> kids came running in the room, go, "Daddy, you're pope," you know. And um, so that was kind of that was obvious. And then Anthony Hopkins, um, you know, for someone of that to, to get an actor of that 
age mm. with that gravitas. He's an obvious choice. In fact, when I went in and pitched this to Netflix, I took in photographs of both men without asking their permission. And um, <laughs> they had no idea. And uh, Netflix said, what do you, uh, what, have you got these guys? And I said, well, you know, uh, work in progress. You know, all things going our way. We could have both men. And in fact, it never happens, but they both said yes. And wow. I think probably both because they love Fernando. Um, mm. and I know that Jonathan has said that he thinks Fernando is one of the great master oh, yeah. filmmakers. Um, I agree. Yeah. Now, we haven't spent a lot of time around you, Anthony, but both of us picked up that you have an amazing sense of humor. Now, uh, amazing uh, is a big word. Well, no, no. <laughs> I, 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 would, I, I wouldn't lay claim to that. Amazing would, sense of humor. I would say a possible, maybe mediocre sense of humor. How much, how much of, of it's by virtue that you wrote it, yeah. how much of your sensibility and your humor were you able to work in in this relationship as you talk about of these two men uh, who are so, in, in, in a lot of respects opposite in their, in their thinking? Yeah, I mean, I, I I don't like to inject, you know, artificially humor into a, into a story, but I don't, uh, you know, take try to take it out. I think anything mm-hmm. that's that's pretending to be realistic has to have some humor. Mm-hmm. Anytime two people get together, there's at least an attempted humor, right? I mean, it's part of how we 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 transact as human beings. Yeah. Sorry about that. So if someone sees <laughs> if I see a movie or read a novel and there's no humor, and I go. It's many things, but it ain't realistic. Mm. It, it has to, it's foregone its claim to realism if it doesn't have humor in it. So that's my overall take of it. But in this case, Francis, the Pope Francis, he loves a joke. He's, uh, he's a joke teller, loves it. So that was there to play with. And Benedict is not famous for humor whatsoever. There is no record of him ever cracking a joke. And I thought that in itself is funny. I can put these two together. One doesn't comprehend what humor is at all, and <laughs> and, and one who wants to make jokes and they're just dying in front of the, this audience of one. So, um, uh, that, that I think that's where a lot of the humor comes from, and it also comes out of research. Uh, so you know, the football loving uh, Francis, you know, there's jokes in there, and you know, I have a little scene in a bathroom where Francis is whistling. And uh, the Pope says, what, what hymn is that? You know, Benedict, the sober German, says, what hymn is that? And Francis says, oh, it's Abba, it's Dancing Queen, you know. Um, it's, it's just to kind of reflects the difference in their personalities. So it's quite accurate. It's not trivial um, humor. Talked a little bit about Fernando uh, Mireille, that they always pronounce his last name wrong. Um, <laughs> Morellis, yeah. Morellis, thank you. Yeah. Um, City of God, Constant Gardner, mm-hmm. one of my all-time favorites. Oh, yeah. uh, talk to me about what he brings to this particular film that is kind of, uh, you know, special, that's, you know, perfect for it. What does he bring? Humanity. Mm-hmm. And there's something Franciscan about Fernando. And uh, you can see it in the way the camera holds on some, uh, the ordinary faces of, of non-actors. He cast a lot of uh, non-actors. And, and he loves faces. And he just sees... The human story in an ordinary face, you know, and uh, um, so he has a great, a great and presiding uh, humanity to to all his work, and especially in this one, um, he's he has no ego seemingly, mm. and he's the only director I've worked with who could give it all up tomorrow and just work in his garden, you know, <laughs> um, and, and it's not I'm not joking, he's he's he really would, he'd yeah. be very happy. He doesn't need to be doing this. 
he wants to save the planet. He's very active and in social causes, and film is just sort of one of the things he does. So he's a very impressive person and um, perfect for this project. Did you ever think about doing it yourself, directing wise, or did you always just? Uh, see, uh, the problem for me, because uh, I do have a, an aspiration to one day direct mm -hmm. again, but I keep sitting there watching master directors work, and it just <laughs> reminds me that I, that I wouldn't have thought of that, or that's incredibly clever. Wow. Mm. And so I'm constantly learning, and it's pretty intimidating the amount of skills that a real master director can deploy, mm -hmm. and it keeps me modest. So uh, think about uh, Pope Benedict and Francis. We've seen mm. you do, you know, write Winston Churchill. We've seen Stephen Hawkins. Mm. Um, between you and Oliver Stone, one of the two of you got to step up and do a biopic about the modern president of the United States. That I think would be a fascinating portrait. It have to be a comedy. It have to be a farce. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just think you're you're one of two men who I would really trust that can get it done. Yeah, well, you, I think you need a bit of perspective. I think some time has to pass. We need to see yeah. how this little particular uh, tragedy plays out, um, and it's happening in real time. And it's very hard to compete with uh, with how uh, stunning and riveting you know his story is on a daily basis. We've never, never had anything like it. You know, a guy who essentially ran for president on a whim to, to up his brand, the up his value of, of his hotels, which were in decline. And it, the unthinkable happens. He gets voted in on a wave yeah, of, di like of a... disgruntlement in, in America at large. And they go, as you know, it's uh, Michael Moore says, it's the biggest fuck you in American history. <laughs> um, and uh, and now we're here, living with it day by day. And and you know, uh, Republicans in, by and large would agree. Um, they would rather have had any of the other Republicans. I mean, how good does George Jeb Bush look right now as an option? Good you know, Lord, or, yeah. right. or or. Yeah. Um, What's his name? Kasich or John Kasich? Kasich, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, or any of those people, they're they're stable, yeah. You know, and they're they're principled, yeah. Um, but you know, this guy's not since Nixon have we had you know a real hood in the uh, in the Oval Office. Yeah, it's it's, it, well, it's and it's 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 crazy to think about, especially in in contrast to you know someone like Churchill, right? You know, when mm -hmm. you're thinking right. about about people who have been leaders. <laughs> like the great leaders, and whether we like it or not, Donald Trump is the most powerful man on the planet. So, I mean, I don't even know how you attack it. I guess you would have to do only do it as a comedy. <laughs> but, I, I'm fascinated to see it, though. I would yeah. be fascinated to see that, though. Yeah. Um, when you approach when you approach a subject, because we, we talked a little bit about how you're kind of on this hot, really hot streak. Mm. What, when you first approach a, a topic that you like, okay, this is what I want to do. Mm -hmm. What is it that you look for like, in particular? Um, something that combines the intimate and the epic at the same time. Mm -hmm. um, it's easy to find stuff which is purely intimate, mm -hmm. um, and then uh, you know, and that's a domestic drama. And um, you know, I've done those, and they're very cool. But you know, I'm 58 years old, and you know, I I want to do I want to aim big, swing for the fences, as you say here mm -hmm. in America. And and when you can combine an epic storyline, you know. Um, like a Churchill, or you know, even a Freddie Mercury, you know, mm -hmm. who's 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 touched people all around the world. Um, then you can dive into their in intimate life and show something as hopefully as well observed as a, as a small domestic drama, you know. And and the contrast I love, 
And uh, I think, you know, if there's any reason why, the, the, you know, why Gary and, and uh, Eddie and Rami won, um, won Oscars, it's, it's possibly because they got to play in, in both, you know, sandboxes. Mm-hmm. The very intimate, the personal, um, show that side of themselves, but then step outside that and become, you know, an agent for world events. Now, Travis talked earlier about, you know, when you're riding a hot streak right now, how much leeway does it give you for the choices that you want to make? So let's say hypothetically, there's something that, that you really want to do. Mm. How much how much have you gotten in as it relates to, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Not just leeway, but... Um, yeah, I know what, I know what you kind mean. Kind of like, 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 I guess, professional liquidity yeah. to, to give you that space in order to, to yeah. be a creative. Yeah, I, I probably have the cachet right now to go and make a terrible movie about someone no one cares about. <laughs> uh, and there's plenty of examples of people who have had, had that kind of credit in the bank and blown it on something stupid. Right. You know? So I, I don't kind of have that. Um, you know that passion project which you know people have been rejecting for 20 years yeah. if people have been rejecting it for 20 years there may be a good reason yeah. you know? <laughs> well we hear that story all the time people are going you know I've been trying to make this movie since. I know yeah. I know the writing actually may be on the wall you know, and, and maybe that's an itch you shouldn't scratch you know um, so uh, you know I'm trying to what's very cool is that um, when I, I going back about you know, eight years in theory of everything happened. It, it changed my world. The phone started mm-hmm. ringing, and I, I got to work with better people, and I got to work with better budgets, so we could realize things on a higher level. And that's where success started to be, beget success. Production values started to increase. Distributors put more money into advertising it. You, you, your reach just increases, increases, and you kind of go, okay, now I understand why. You know why success breeds success, and. Um, it's it's yours to screw up, um, you know. If it goes to your head and and you stop, you know, your commitment moves from your work to having fun or you know getting off on your own ego. Um, you can unravel that really fast, really fast. It can all go away. Hmm. Speaking a little bit about ego, uh, you got a you got a panel coming up here at Middleburg, don't you? Uh, is it today or just tomorrow? It's Fireside Chat. Yeah, yes. Fireside Chat. Tomorrow. You got coming up, we're, we're here at Middleburg. You got Fireside yeah, I got Chat the, coming up. I've ordered a quilted jacket. <laughs> <on my pie. laughs> yeah, so I want some velvet slippers. And you're going to hear a torrent of wisdom from me. <laughs> it, it's called the Hugh Hefner. The, uh, yes. Fireside. <laughs> the, the Hefner room. Um, I'll drop my voice an octave. <laughs> and there'll be long pauses while I recharge my pipe. <laughs> but it must it must be it must feel a certain kind of way to to know that you know uh you've got this platform that they're willing to give you uh, you know um it's incredibly privileged. how does it feel incredibly privileged yeah no it's it's pinch me stuff it really is you know when i think back to i was just born in a small town in new zealand and you know um and then i'm i'm kind of telling these foundation stories you know, globally important, significant stories. Why me? You know, mm. but no one's stopping me. So until they stop me, until I'm arrested, um, <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm just going to keep doing it. Don't don't jinx yourself. Don't, right. do, don't yeah. do that. Don't do that. So I was going to say, outside of of the the epic pitch that I gave you for yeah. your next movie that you're not going to take yet because you want to see how it plays out. Yeah. Who else is there? Is there any other story that that you, I know you don't have a project that's been 
gestating for a decade, but is no. there something out there right now that you're looking at? I mean, you, you, yeah, you know, I, I'd like yeah. to tackle George Washington. Really? Hmm. Yeah, I would, because I find him an interesting character. He, you know, he was he was fighting for liberation uh, of of people, and yet he was a slave owner, and I like that dichotomy. Okay. And. Uh, and there was an evolution in his attitudes towards slavery and he and his will he freed all the slaves and how did he arrive at that how did he evolve and and while he's fighting this revolutionary war um so he interests me now boy talk about presumptuous wow kid, kid <laughs> from you know new plymouth new zealand coming over here on your turf mm -hmm. and you know having the presumptuousness of saying you know, I might use my credit to tell your foundation <laughs> story. But you know what gives me um, the, the temerity to do that is the sense that you guys haven't done it. I don't know, I don't know what you've been doing over here in this country. We've been celebrating Alexander Hamilton. <laughs> <laughs> I was just about to say that we haven't really had like a, like a big a George, George Washington. Washington. There's no, yeah. There hasn't really There's, been one. You never have. I don't know what you guys are doing with your time, but someone's been, you know, went to sleep on the job. Because, I mean, he's a fascinating man. I feel like, I think they're worried that people don't want to see it. Yeah, you'd be dredging up him, Jefferson. I mean, a, a lot of the founding fathers, that would be an issue. Yeah. yeah, but hey, I, you know, again, like I said, I said earlier, I yeah. trust you and I trust Stone yeah. in order to tell these stories. Yeah, well, I don't trust Oliver Stone. I trust Stone. <laughs> I don't I'm trust Oliver trust either. Let's let's dump on Oliver right now. He's here gonna now. hear this interview. I trust you, Oliver. <laughs> I trust him too. And JFK is one of the, one of my most prized uh, movie yeah. experiences. Yeah. I, you mentioned your 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 upbringing in New Zealand. How, yeah. how has that uh, kind of influenced? Uh, some of your some of your work like your your your, your childhood your upbringing in New Zealand how's that influenced you yeah I mean when you're you know when you're filling in the blanks in in, in these stories historical stories um, you're you're inevitably drawing on yourself there, mm -hmm. there, there's an element of autobiography in there mm -hmm. um, so you, you know my values have informed some of the decisions I make uh, in this case, the two popes, you know, a lot of the themes in this story are in my bloodstream. Mm. I mean, I, I grew up in that religious background. Mm -hmm. With Churchill, my parents were very Churchill. So that, mm -hmm. that sort of made me think, I want to get inside this guy. Um, you know, find out, did he have feet of clay and stuff. Um, with Freddie Mercury, I grew up with it. So, you know, mm -hmm. um, you know, We Will Rock You is it's an anthem, we, you know, at every rugby game, you know, we're in New Zealand, which is the national sport there. Um, so all these things have an element of autobiography in them. If not specifically obvious on the surface, there's something thematically that draws you in. Have you thought about telling a, maybe a kind of a uniquely New Zealand story, um, something that's, you know... Um, I, I've actually got a script that, that, that's been lying around in a drawer about bungee jumping. Because that was invented by some crazy really? Kiwis. And there's something crazy about Kiwis. They, the whole New Zealand project is a weird one. I mean, they, they shipped out these people from England and, um, and said, we probably won't ever bring you back home. So you better really want to go to this unknown place at the bottom of the world. Now, who does that appeal to? People yeah. very high on the ADD spectrum. Do not use your get out of jail free card on that film. No. <laughs> <laughs> but we got to yeah. go right now. Yeah. But it has been a pleasure. I mean, we learned a lot more about you 
than the conversations we've been having earlier today. Yeah, well, it's been a pleasure to meet you guys. It's been great, you guys. Can we start a series here? Can we just like... Amen. You come back every year. Absolutely. We will do this again. Well, actually, (laughs) the the string you on, you probably will be back next year with another film that has... A bungee jumping film. No, 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 no. That's that's on the bank. I never see the day and probably shouldn't. All right. I want to thank Anthony McCartan and Travis Hobson for that interview. That was a lot of fun. Um, and, you know, we look forward to doing more of these overtimes as we move through the end of this year and into next year uh, in order to listen to this and to, to listen to what we call this web or, or app exclusive content. Please go to DCRadio.gov. You can download the app and you can hear all of the shows not just that we're doing now and the recent ones from this weekend, but you can go back in our archives and check out all of our work here at Keeping It Real with Film Gordon. Um, I want to thank you guys for listening. Uh, trust me, it's as much fun for us doing this as it is to, for you guys to listen to it. And until next time, we'll have more for you when we go over time. You guys take care. Enjoy your weekend.